1: Hi, this is Rachel on Recover. We're back with Esther, and she's going to tell the rest of her story. Um, Esther, um, you were telling us how this was impacting your kids long term. Um, I think we were talking about boundaries. That's where we left off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... So trying to teach your kids about boundaries is, I think, if, if I could make any recommendations to anybody that has kids in this situation, it is to learn all you can about um, how to teach boundaries, how to have healthy boundaries, how to teach boundaries to children, because sometimes how you teach to children is very, very different than how you teach, how you, how you talk about them, uh, the words you use. Uh, those are all very different uh, for children than it is for uh, adults. And I think that there's a lot of information out there now. Uh, There wasn't when I was going through all of my stuff because the internet was still fairly new. Um, Resources were hard to find. Uh, They were very costly. And now there's a lot of information out there on how to parent your children and parent them into good, uh, emotional space and, um, be, be, uh, strong with their own boundaries. So, um, I still have to maintain boundaries with some of my kids on conversations. I still have to draw lines with them. Um, we still have a lot of those conversations and trying to teach them how to have good boundaries. And I do believe that, um, my kids are going to all come through this. I, I feel at some point in their adult life, they're going to recognize. Uh, I, I'm hoping that as they get into their own healthy relationships, um, they all seem to desire healthy relationships, and I'm hoping that they can establish those uh, adult family, uh, romantic relationships. And I'm hoping that as they become established in their own adult relationships that they will see more clearly the dysfunction that, uh, we were living in, uh, when they were children and that their dad for who he is. And it's not that I want them to see their dad as an evil person, but I think that in order for them to be healthy, they have to see him and his behaviors for what they are, um, and, and not make excuses for him or think that I'm the bad guy Because I drew the boundaries in his and my relationship. Um I don't know. I
1: yeah, okay.
0: Can't think of anything else
1: on that. How do you think this impacted your health over the years?
0: Well, um I um I think that, first of all, that I think people with ins- emotional instability uh, that is a mental health, a level of ins- emotional instabil- inst- instability, and I'm not talking about people that just you know cry every now and then or get sad or anything like that. I'm talking about a true, deep, uh, deep-seated, cho- chronic situation that affects all aspects of of your life and your relationships, and uh, that's what borderline personality this is, borderline personality disorder is for um, people. Is it's it's chronic, it's unrelenting, um, <clears throat> and I think that being married to somebody like that forces you into a chronic place of trying to hold your world together. There's never a time of rest. Um, BPD people can be extremely demanding. Um, everything is about them. They, whether if you need to rest, uh, they feel abandoned. If you want to sleep, they feel abandoned. Um, if you need time to yourself, they feel abandoned. Um, they accuse you of being selfish. Um, and so you get into this chronic never ending cycle of, sacrificing yourself to the point of exhaustion to try and keep the peace and try and keep somebody from being angry. And just, I mean, you don't want somebody to accuse you of being selfish. I don't think anybody wants to be selfish, but it becomes an exhausting cycle of just, um, working hard just to keep somebody else from, and I guess if you, if you value your integrity, and value uh, the fact that whether you're a hardworking person, then you start doing people pleasing things to try and please the other person so that they will validate you in all your hard efforts. And uh, I think that for trying to please somebody with borderline personality disorder is impossible. Like there is no level of hard work, perfection, emotional stability, and there's nothing you can offer them up on a platter that will be enough to scratch their itch. And I think it took me a really, really long time to figure that out. And in fact, I was in counseling uh, and was talking to the counselor about that. And he told me, he said, you could be Jesus Christ to him and it would not be enough. And that really hit hard to me because I know, I think um, it's really, if you know the work that Jesus Christ did for us, then you understand that it was, it was to the point of dying. Um, And I looked at that and I, it kind of smacked me between the eyes. Um, Or should I say stabbed me in the heart, (laughs) but um, on how hard that I had been working and how hard I was willing to work to try and save our relationship and yet nothing that I was going to do, nothing I had done, nothing I was going to do was ever going to be enough. And um, when we separated, uh, he had uh, called the pastor of our church and asked the pastor to call call me. And I agreed to talk to the pastor. And he told me, he said, I really think that the problem is is that he has a whole list of grudges Against you. And unless he can lay down that list and forgive you for the things, whether you're, whether they're legitimate things or not, he said, um, he has to lay down that list and forgive you for those things or he, you will never be able to make it through this. And that was also, the pastor was trying to give me good advice and it was good advice. And in a real relationship, it's excellent advice. I, in my marriage, I am, in now my husband and I, we actually, I believe practice that on a daily basis. We forgive each other for little, uh, irritations and things, and we accept each other for who we are and we are, but it, it's, that's a, that's how it works in a healthy relationship in the relationship we were in the asking him to lay down that list of grudges, I believe was an impossibility because in order for him to lay down the grudges he held against me, he would have to go back in his past and forgive the people in his past. And he was unwilling to do that kind of inventory, um, into his past and go do that deep work of, who hurt him in the past and the, the burdens he was bearing and the the baggage he was carrying with him on all of the old pain. And so he was carrying that with him into our relationship and blaming me for things that I had not even done. And so over time, um, that extreme work of trying to keep the peace and keep other people happy it's a very exhausting place to be. I uh, Back then, I chronic fatigue was not really, it was just being talked about and fibromyalgia and all that. And I never actually went to the doctor about anything like that. But I began to question my ability over time. I was starting to wonder if I would die from cancer or some kind of illness because I was had chronic pain and I had all of these symptoms that could be Leading up to a disease state in my body, I could sleep uh, like the dead every single night despite my stress, and I never seemed to be able to get enough rest. Um, so uh, at one point, I actually went to the doctor and... I didn't want the doctor. Our relationship was very fragmented, and I wanted to go have a conversation with the doctor just to see if there was something that was wrong with me. It was really an a part of uh, an invest an investigation on my part to look for one more thing. I start again, even my how I my exhaustion, I blamed on myself. Um, I took the responsibility for the for that as well, um, and assuming that that even our marriage problems w- could be related to maybe I was clinically depressed and if I could get medication for my clinical depression, then that was what was going to fix us. And then if, if I could just not be depressed, then our marriage would stand a chance. And so I, again, I took full responsibility for everything that was mine and even took it to the, you know, extreme of assuming full responsibility for the problems in our relationship. So I went to the doctor and discussed that with them and they, I did, I get on, got on an antidepressant and it actually makes me, helped me rest, rest much better. Um, and it helped me make better decisions, uh, because instead of my problems going away, it helped me feel more able to make decisions in the midst of my severe crisis. Um, and at that point, our problems were, were daily, hourly sometimes, um, It was just extremely difficult. He got to where he would try not to go to work. He would come home in the middle of the day and try and argue with me about things or be angry because he wanted me to take the day off from things that we were doing to try and, you know, wouldn't just out of the blue show up and want us to, you know, do something fun, play games together. And it, it wasn't that that wasn't a bad thing, but I had already made plans for the day and already had a schedule for the day and we were. I was trying to, if it would have been one thing if he would help me with the house, but he didn't, um, all the housework that was always mine. So again, I always accepted responsibility for everything, uh, that was falling apart. And it's interesting because now I'm in a relationship where I have a partner who shares equally, most of the time, equally with responsibilities of the home and maintaining the home and, uh, and it's just it's just a very different experience. There's never any a time where uh, I get told I'm the bad guy because we need to clean the house or do laundry or do the dishes or eat dinner or whatever. It, you know, I. It's just it's just a very different different. I can't even hardly even describe the difference it is.
1: How did this impact your dating after your divorce?
0: Um. Well, I pretty much refused to date. <laughs> I felt very broken. Um, I felt like I didn't have the ability to make. I really questioned again. This was me taking full responsibility for our relationship and the fracturing of the relationship. But um, I felt like I couldn't make healthy decisions. That I didn't have it in me. That I was there was something in me that was broken. And that I couldn't make good decisions about who was a healthy individual and who wasn't and who would be a good choice to marry and who wasn't, who would be a good partner and who wasn't. I felt like I, what had attracted me into that relationship was I was afraid was still there and I would just end up in another relationship just like the old one. And I know uh, for second marriages, that's often what uh occurs. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to go. I couldn't do it again. Um, I felt like I could never live that life again. And I would rather have been single for a lifetime than to ever live that life again. And I was actually at peace with not being married. And um, being a single mom was easier for me without him. I I say it was often easier. I often say it was easier for me to be a single mom without him in the picture than it was for me to be a single mom married to him, because that's what I was married to him. I was a single mom with a husband that refused to take responsibility um, as a father and as a parent. Um, And so having him out of the picture was actually easier than having him in the picture, constantly running me down and running down all of my parenting. And at least I had to only deal with him running me down half of the time instead of every day. Um, So I, 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 think that I got to where I really kept people at a distance. I don't think, I think being married to him kept me from even knowing how to have healthy relationships with either men or women. Um, because I didn't date for a while. I had some people think that I was a lesbian and I had given up on all men and I kind of, I wasn't a lesbian, but I definitely had given up on all men and it took me a while to, um, and even, uh, I think even after I married my husband now, we've had a lot of conversations where he's pretty much called me out and said that it's unfair for me to say something as all men when it's not. And I've had other men, just coworkers and stuff, say that's not a fair, that's not fair to say that. And it really has kind of put me in my, in perspective that all men are not that way. And it really could be just my perspective and my experience on the issue.
1: Fair enough. What are some strange things that you, you've had to do when it comes to parenting your kids because of your BPD husband together and when separated?
0: Um. So I think that any person who tries to teach their children basic hygiene and routines and is fought by their spouse on those basic healthy routines and hygienes. There's something very wrong. Um, And like I said, I mean, it is strange. It, It is, I think you could call it strange that I was always more relieved that he was not home and I could parent the kids by myself than when he did come home. Because then I had to play a game of we have to respect dad, even if dad's crazy. And I would try and have these hard, weird conversations with my kids about, you know, because they didn't see the justice in it and they could see the injustice and the dysfunction. But they were getting such mixed messages of how to respect somebody like that. And that, that's been a very difficult thing is how to respect somebody who is so dysfunctional that they f- constantly feel, Force you past your your boundaries, and they push past your boundaries, and um, they behave like a child, and and you're the one you're the child, but you're the one that's more mature than them. That's a very weird that's a very weird, uh, strange circumstance for children to be in. Um, the other thing I think that is not just weird and strange, but it's unjust. Um, I've been to, I've had, uh, to hire an attorney repeatedly, um, almost to the point where I've got one on retainer now, (laughs) but, um, just to be able to keep, uh, custody of my kids because he's taken me back to court four times. And in between each of those times, he's constantly working on my kids to try and get them to come live with him. Um, and, Each of those court battles lasted between six months to two years. And I don't think any human being should ever have to fight that many years in court for the same thing. Like once it's decided it should be done, it should be put to bed. Um, It's awkward for any kind of big events for the kids, graduations, weddings, that kinds of things, because you know, you would think there would be that parents could just talk and just work these things out, but we can't. Um, And it's not because my kids don't understand the why. Uh, I think someday they will, but I, I can't talk to him uh, for anything because um, it's always going to be turned around to be something extremely manipulative. So I try and do as little communication as possible and be as gracious as possible just to prevent repercussions for my kids and for myself. Um, Awkward things are uh, he talks about uh, me constantly, very disparaging to my reputation, um, to other people at my kids, like the coaches of my kids' teams, and they kind of have always treated me like I have the plague. Um, church people, people at our church treated me like I had the plague. Um, then when I got married, my husband has experienced the same type of disrespectful, uh, awkward situations and treatment from coaches and uh, uh, friends that are, uh, are are friends that are the same. Um, I don't even know the word for that, but, um,
1: mutual friends,
0: mutual is the word I was looking for <laughs> mutual friends. And, and it became very difficult for our mutual friends because he always tries to put people in the middle, um, and make them choose. And, you know, it's awkward for other people to be constantly drugged into having to make a choice. And even in a short conversation over, who's right and who's wrong. And, and they just don't know what to do. And they try to be supportive, but they're trying to be supportive and neutral. And that's a really difficult thing. And a lot of people don't even know how to do that. And so a lot of times they just withdraw. Um, so it's awkward now. We've talked about uh, my husband. Now we've talked about moving to another town uh, to get away from him, not because of uh, really for the kids' sake, because because my because he continually puts the kids in awkward situations when they're at my house with me, spending a holiday or something with me, spending time with me. He's constantly texting them incessantly, demanding that they come see him, and so they can't just at, be at peace and visit with me and so I feel I I feel like it's an awkward situation that I would have to move towns just to be able to have a relationship with my kids without him constantly in the middle of it but that's that's where we are Um, we haven't made a decision on that but that has been a constant conversation with me and my husband okay
1: um I see I think we we've covered this past question. Um, what would you what what advice would you give to those with a BPD family member?
0: Um, <laughs> get out. <laughs> no. Um, I think it depends on your, the relationship, the nature of your relationship. Um, I think that you could probably, like my children, I think that they will always have a relationship with their dad. Um, And my advice to children of a borderline personality uh, is different than my advice to someone who's married to a borderline personality. Um, I do believe that marriage could be possible if the borderline personality person is not vindictive and destructive to the relationship, I think that there's different variations of how this plays out. But um, I was in a situation where it became dangerous for me to stay in that relationship. Um, Like I said, at one point I was planning on staying and I was going to go to school and, and do things to try and better my life. Um, But it was, my my goal was that i was going to get busy building a future instead of get being busy trying to fix an old one my old life and so when i started getting busy building a future um what ended up happening was the he became less and less uh, he felt less and less of a priority, even though he was equally as much as a priority as he's always been. And my future of how I thought about the future still included him, but he felt that I was moving on without him. So it triggered all those feelings of abandonment. And he believed that I was abandoning him and the children, even though that was not in the character or the makeup of who I was. Um, and I don't know. I I think that it's possible to be married to a borderline personality disorder, but I also think that there are times when it's impossible. And I think that the only way to survive and live a life that is not terribly dysfunctional and miserable and depressing and makes, makes you think of death (laughs) is to get, is to get out. Um, the other thing for children, uh, to relationships with friends, uh, children, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, parents, hard boundaries. I don't know. You have to draw boundaries and you got to stick to them. There's, there's no way. Um, some of my kids, I've seen them draw some hard boundaries with them, with him, and he respects them because they don't budge on those certain boundaries. And then other kids, uh, some of my other kids have not drawn those same boundaries and he abuses the heck out of them, uh, in those areas. So that's, that's, I see that they look for the weak spot and then when they find it, that weak place in the fence, they will go to it every single time and abuse that weak spot.
1: <sighs> Esther will be back next week to tell the last section of her story. Thanks for listening. Always follow us on your favorite social media platform or uh, podcast platform and as always you can reach out to RachelRecovery.com. Uh thanks for listening and tune in next Thursday at 10am thank you this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the
0: untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping